mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Greetings, fellow tech seekers. Sean and Sean from Silicon Theory, and you are listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and anything with the word casts in its name. As always, again, with me today, Sean P. Say hello, Sean P. Hello, Sean P. (laughs) And we want to cover for you today the details surrounding the upcoming Samsung Galaxy Unpacked event. So scheduled for February 11th, we have a whole host of a new crap from Samsung that's going to be announced. So without further ado, let's dive in and get to it. So I think where we should probably start is the phones, because that's probably going to be what's of most interest to most people. But Samsung has decided to do something a little bit different this year. They're not going to be the S11 series phones. They're going to jump all the way to the S20, one, because this is 2020, and because 20 is more than 11, so the phones must be better, right? Yeah, and I've seen some dissension in the ranks about this decision, but I just want to go on record as saying I'm very pro the name change. As long as they don't do something stupid next year and change it to like the Galaxy S30, uh, I think lining up the year with the uh, actual device release makes a lot of sense to me. It's like a car. We don't have the Toyota Prius 57. You have the <laughs> 2020 Toyota Prius. And that, that seems to make some sense, right? That does check out, although um, I do have kids who are in... Um, um, transitional kindergarten, and they're learning to count by tens. So, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50. Works for me. Or could they, they could just be like Apple and like really confuse everyone next year and just go completely off the rails and choose arbitrary numbers. That, like ab- that, idea. that absolutely checks out. So let's talk about the phones themselves. Um, the Galaxy Unpacked event is set to announce, um, I think, four of Samsung's new phones. Is that if by right? four, you mean six. Seri- what? Look, man. There's a lot of phones out there in the world, and Samsung wants to make sure they're repping all of them. Clearly. Let's talk about the ones that are actually going to be sold in the United States, though. Okay, so for purposes of that, it does look like uh, Samsung's going to release three phones in the United States this year. The Galaxy S20, the Galaxy S20 Plus, and the Galaxy S20 Ultra. Plus wasn't enough, Sean. We need some Ultra in our lives. Got it. And they're also going to release the 5G variant of that phone, right? Yeah, so all the ones in the United States are going to be the 5G variant, as far as we can tell. It looks like maybe in other places in the world, they're going to release a 4G variant of the Galaxy S20 and the Galaxy S20 Plus that may cost something like $100 less. But here in the States, even though 5G is kind of this theoretical exercise, we're going to get the more expensive ones. Of course we are. So um, I think as we've noted before... Samsung gonna Samsung. So let's just talk specs real quick, although even though we're kind of in a post-spec world, what are we dealing with here? Um, The Galaxy S20, which is going to be the base Galaxy S, uh, has a 6.2-inch 3200x1440p AMOLED with a tiny hole punch in the middle. It looks a lot like the Galaxy Note 10 with rounded corners. Um, The hole punch is smaller, though. This is the smallest to date. We're now in a world where we're 
we're comparing how small hole punches are, and Hey-o. this is the smallest one yet. So actually, from a from a look standpoint, it looks pretty good based off of what we've seen. Not a huge fan of the curved displays myself, but again, I think that they can do some things with that form factor, which allows it to be narrower. You're changing the aspect ratio, so you're getting much more of a widescreen format, and the phone being narrower in the hand makes it easier to hold. Yeah, although of note, it's less rounded this year. So they've made the base of the uh, display more flat, and it really only rounds towards the edges, which I think a lot of people like because like I have a OnePlus 7 Pro that has the like super aggressive edges and it's kind of annoying sometimes. So um, so Samsung also is bringing, you know, the high refresh rate was something that started last year with both the Google Pixel 4 and the uh, OnePlus 6 7 Pro, excuse me, with 90 hertz. Um, Samsung's actually skipping 90 hertz altogether and they're going to 120 hertz for all of these phones, but with a catch which is you can either choose to run 60 hertz at full resolution or 120 hertz at 1080p. Outstanding. Wait, no, that's not outstanding. Why would the, Why in the hell would they want to do that? Yeah, I don't understand this decision at all. Uh, I don't know why you would not give users the choice uh, of what they want to run. It sounds like the concern is battery life. But again, as an end user, it's like, why don't you let me decide uh, what kind of battery life I want to get? If I want shitty battery life, but I get 120 hertz at full res, I think I feel like that's my decision if I'm spending this much money on a phone, and we'll get into the prices in a minute. We tend to agree, unless you're a Pixel 4 user. Yeah, Denny, let's not bah, 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 bah. Poor bah. Google. Yeah. Someday they'll get hardware, right? Um, okay, so what else are you getting? Uh, you're getting upgraded cameras. So this is an area that Samsung... It, Kind of, I don't want to say it was falling behind a little bit, but Apple really went for it last year with the cameras. Google still has their excellent processing. I think Samsung had slipped from like right at the near the top of the pack to maybe a pretty solid third. Um, so they really are focusing a lot of effort there. Um, the S20 has a 12 megapixel main camera, which is the same uh, megapixels as the last two generations, but they're increasing the. Uh, uh, UM pixel size, we'll say? Uh, micron, yeah. Microns to 1.8, so that actually is a pretty large difference. It's a completely new sensor. It's going to let in a lot more light, should theoretically really improve the pictures. They're also giving you a 64 megapixel telephoto, uh, which is, I think, the highest resolution telephoto I can remember. Um, and you're also getting a 12 megapixel ultra-wide uh, camera as well. Um, what else are you getting? You're getting the Snapdragon 865. Uh, base is eight gigabytes of RAM and 128 gigabytes of storage in the S20, uh, 4,000 milliamp hour battery. Um, the Galaxy S20 Plus is basically the same thing, except for the screen gets enlarged to 6.7 inches. Cameras are the same. Battery increases to 4,500 milliamp hour batteries. Uh, and it looks as though there probably will be a 12 gig of RAM version of that. And then moving to the top of the line, which is kind of the most interesting in a lot of ways, is the... Would, would you say the top of the line or would you say it's the ultra top of the line? Ultra combo? Combo breaker? No. no. Look, I'm making a 1996 Killer Instinct reference, so hopefully people are up to date. Oh. Um, the S20 Ultra moves the screen up to 6.9 inches. We've actually seen like size comparisons with the Note 10 Plus, and it's larger, uh, at least taller. It's, it's a little narrower, but it's taller, certainly. Um, 
on this one, you're getting some interesting stuff with the camera. Instead of a 12 megapixel main, you're getting a 108 megapixel main. This is Samsung's new like super sensor. Uh, they're wait, using... Wait, wait, wait. What is the official branding name of this sensor? I, re- I refuse to say it. Go ahead. You will say it. No. Nope. I insist. I don't even do know. So. I can't even remember. I'm, I'm plugging my ears. Go ahead. It is going to be the 100X... Space Zoom. Insert sound effect here. Okay, can please continue. I'm pretending like we need to edit that out. Um, it'll it'll come out in post. Don't worry. They are using pixel binning for this, so they're going to bin nine pixels, which means the actual output is going to be uh, twelve megapixels. It also comes with a forty-eight megapixel periscope, ten x hybrid, hundred x digital magnification, space zoom lens. Ta-da. And it also has a 12 megapixel ultra wide uh, angle lens. And instead of the normal 10 megapixel selfie, you get a 40 megapixel selfie. <clears throat> For all of those of you who are mostly concerned about your selfie photographs. Man, I remember when we got like 8 megapixel cameras for the first time, it was like, holy crap, 8 megapixels, and now selfie cameras are 40. It's bananas, but I think there's a couple of things that are super important here to unpack. So number one, this periscope style zoom, I think is really interesting. And Huawei did some pretty cool stuff last year on the, was it P30 Pro? Yes. Okay. So the P30 Pro had some pretty obvious, excuse me, pretty obvious um, benefits and advantages because you're using an actual physical optical zoom instead of a digital zoom, which always is going to give you better images ultimately in the long run. Uh, You probably saw the same uh, samples of this that I did, people standing way back on the other side of where the Eiffel Tower is in Paris during uh, whatever the hell event was that the P30 Pro was announced. And people were actually able to zoom in and you could make out details of the Eiffel Tower from an insane distance away. So periscope zoom is really cool. Um, While I'm making fun of the space zoom, I'm assuming that the Samsung devices are going to get some of these same benefits because that was one of Huawei's flagship features in the P30 Pro series. So, And I agree, camera technology is an area where Samsung kind of got a little bit lapped. So we know the Google Pixel devices have terrific still photography. Don't talk to me about video, but the still photography amongst some of the best, even still to this day. And in fact, I talked to, not talked to, but I saw on Twitter today, um, John Rettinger from um, uh, Techno Buffalo uh, showing a picture of one of his children with a still photograph taken directly out of the camera, not edited, not anything. And the detail and quality of the image, even to this day is just, Incredible. Now, as you've already mentioned, Apple did a ton of really good stuff in the um, iPhone 11 series devices, the 11 Pro and the 11 Pro Max specifically. And that triple camera assembly, you get the standard angle, the ultra wide angle, and then the telephoto. And Apple really stepped up their game. Some of the iPhone 11 images, uh, and especially not only in the still photography, but in the videography area, are amongst the best and can go toe-to-toe with some of the pixel images. So when you have these two players who Apple sells a lot of phones, but Google really doesn't, um, but in terms of the Android players, Samsung sells the most phones, and they used to kind of be in that top echelon of camera folks, and I think they fell a little bit behind. So the fact that they've devoted so much time and you know, you can throw hardware specs at it, and you can throw software specs at it, but it sounds like this year Samsung's trying to do both, and I think they're really trying to make up some of that share that they lost in last year's hardware wars. 
Yeah, before I get into that, let me cover a couple more things with the Ultra. Sure. Uh, the Ultra, you get 12 gig of RAM and 128 gigabytes, or more RAM, 16 gig of RAM and 512 megabytes of storage. For those of you keeping track of at home, that is exactly the amount of RAM and solid state storage I have in the MacBook Pro that I'm using to record this podcast and video. And you definitely need that in your phone. Um, as far as the battery, you're getting a 5,000 milliamp hour battery. And one other kind of cool thing of note for the Ultra is Samsung phones have always been uh, aluminum uh, rimmed. Uh, Apple has state stainless steel, which has proven to be like more scratch resistant, kind of a better material. The Ultra specifically this year will have a stainless steel uh, rim. Um, should be nice. Right? Okay. It'll, Sorry, be, no. it'll hold up. Look, we're going to talk prices in a minute. If you're paying that much for a phone, you should get a fucking stainless steel rim. Fair, but rim I, job. I was going to say, <laughs> I think we were taking a shot at the rim there. So we would call that a rim shot, maybe? All out. So... Look, talking about the cameras, I think you're right. Um, Samsung really clearly, like when you're looking at the specs, they did the normal bump for things like processor. They've kind of had this much RAM before, although they're stepping it up to the 16 gig, right? Um, I like that their base storage is 128 gigabytes. Everyone, including Apple, should do that. Absolutely. But uh, I think clearly the point of emphasis here was uh, the cameras. And they, the hardware is, from what we're reading here, I mean, these are going to be the best hardware I think you can have on kind of camera phones. They... they to quote John Hammond, spared no expense. Um, <laughs> but uh, really, it's going to be a matter of seeing what they did with the processing. Samsung has been criticized a little bit. I, their phones take really good pictures, but it's not always natural looking. It tends to pump up colors. Um, as someone that's just like an amateur photographer, this actually doesn't bother me at all. I, I a lot of times look at the pumped up colors and go, that looks better than real life. I like it. But it's not as natural as Google or Apple are. And there has been some rumors that they're trying to, in addition to kind of pumping up the sensors and the software, uh, the sensors, excuse me, the hardware, um, kind of change the software to be a little more natural looking. So we'll see if that happens. Yeah. And I think that historically, especially in still photography, Samsung's kind of advantage has been that they give you that old kind of oversaturated look, yeah, yeah. That, that pumped up look, which often does look better than real life, but in some instances looks kind of garish or like clownish. And the pixel line typically has been known for kind of that flat or neutral look and then iPhones kind of fall somewhere in the middle. Now, again, how much of that is represented in terms of the displays because Samsung's AMOLED displays yeah. tend to be a little bit oversaturated as well and how much of it actually comes out in terms of the sensor and processing is there's a little bit of a disparity there but no question that Samsung has needed to do something a little bit different to try and maybe recapture some of that market and I think maybe they've got Definitely some winners here. In looking at pictures of the hardware, I absolutely think it looks good. That single center hole punch, kind of a la the Note 10 Plus, is really probably the best use of that kind of technology. I know you're not a huge fan of the pill, like was on the um, S10 Plus, but no, like as far as current. Current, current look and technology, they, yeah. you, you can't hide the cameras yet. We've seen some concepts and it looks terrible. So I think this is a really tiny hole punch. It's centered. It really doesn't bother me. Um, because of the aspect ratio of the screen, if you were looking at 16.9 content or 18.9 content, you wouldn't even hit where the you know the hole punch is. Yeah. Um, as far as the back of the phone is concerned, you know, it's it looks a lot like the Note 10 Pro. Um, this is that design language that kind of Apple really introduced and Google with the, you know, kind of a giant 
rectangle of cameras in the upper left-hand corner on the back. Um, and it looks like Samsung did the, hey, we heard you like cameras, so we added some cameras for your cameras dog trick. But, you know, look, I mean, this is this is what it is. It's like Samsung phones have always been, you're getting kind of everything, and it makes sense. This is when we talked about what kind of cameras you'd want, like you're getting a pretty killer main sensor, you're getting a telephoto, you're getting a wide angle, you're getting the time of flight. Um, it, they, they kind of went for it. Um, you know, and you're getting a lot of the other things too. As far as I know, so one thing of note, this is the first Galaxy S20 phone without a headphone jack. They did kill it this year. They kept it for the 10. They ditched it for the Note. It is now gone. Uh, we'll, we'll pour a little pour one for the headphone jack. Yeah, we're drinking Coke Zero. Coke, if you want to sponsor us so we don't have to buy this, that'd be fantastic. I, I drink a lot. Um, and you're still getting, it looks like at least, this is a little unclear. I think you're still getting SD card support at least for the S20 Plus and the Ultra. I'm not sure on the S20 base. Uh, it's been unclear rumor-wise. You're still getting wireless charging, IP68 and all that good stuff too. So, you know, look, Samsung's always been great as far as hardware. Of uh, They have cutting edge everything, and they always add pretty much everything into their phones. When you're looking at, you know, even last year when the Note, excuse me, the uh, Pixel 4 came out and you're comparing it to like, the Note 10 hardware, it's like the Note 10 has a lot more stuff. Um, no question. I think the Note 10 maybe was um, literally the kitchen sink in terms of let's take every great hardware spec and throw it into a phone. And typically the hardware hasn't necessarily been what's held Samsung back. It's been their software and some of the camera processing mm -hmm. things like we've talked about. But that's actually my question. So if we're going to recommend, and we'll talk about prices in a second, do you think that Samsung's kind of cannibalizing their own brand a little bit? Because typically the Note has been kind of the let's give everything in a phone phone and the S series has kind of been the general consumer line or general prosumer line. Now it looks like, especially with the S10 Plus and specifically the S10 Plus Ultra, you're literally getting everything from like a Note standpoint minus the S Pen obviously or Spen as I like to call it. But everything else is pretty much in there so and the s10 ultra in terms of size is bigger i'm sorry i can't spend you can and you will god damn it you can and you will do i have to yes but what what are what are buyers looking to gain by if they want to buy a note versus what the s10 ultra or S10 Plus Ultra, whatever the hell it ends up being called, what are they looking to gain? Because it looks like Samsung's saying, we're putting everything we can into this phone. What What's the difference between this and the Note? So look, I mean, it used to be that, you know, back in the day on the two Note 2, 3, and 4, you would get like a, the processor bump because Qualcomm was releasing two processors a year. It always had more RAM. It had larger batteries, the whole deal. Um, starting with the 5, the Note 5, the Note 5 felt like a bigger Galaxy S what year was that? Seven, six, yeah, six. six. I think, yeah. So, and then the seven, even though it exploded, was similar. And the eight and nine both kind of fall into that category. They, a lot of people were saying they didn't really even need to exist as two lines anymore. I mean, you would take the plus model of the S and you would take the Note, and they were basically the same phone. Now, last year that diverged slightly. Um, the Note 10 actually did have like a different design with a whole bunch of different place and the different camera lineup and all of those things. So it, last year you got a little bit of a bump, but I think a lot of people are asking this question because to your point, the S20 Ultra is pretty much, if you know, if you want to say this, better in every quantifiable way versus the Note 10 that was released. It's going to have upgraded cameras, larger battery, 5G, a bigger screen, newer screen, 120 hertz. So stainless steel, you know, all the build quality things. So it's like when you look at it, more RAM. Um, so when you look at it, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if these need to exist anymore. And then additionally, like, this is getting a little bit out there, but 
the Galaxy Fold 2 rumors indicate that this year the Fold 2 is probably going to use ultra-thin glass instead of plastic like last year and have an S Pen. So it's like really at that point, it's like, okay, I don't know where that leaves the note. Yeah. Um, or if maybe Samsung will eventually switch to something where it's like, they do a release of phones early in the year, the traditional phones, and then later in the year they just do foldables maybe. I, I don't know where this is headed. Could be. but Could be. Yeah, I mean, it, the other question to me, and we've already seen some Note 20 leaks, is the Note 20 looks like a squared off S20 Ultra. It's yeah. like, it, is it really going to be a bigger screen? Is it going to be 7 inches? Is it going to be 7.1 inches? I mean... It, what what are they going to do? Twenty gigs of RAM? I, I don't know. I don't know where this ends. And and to some extent, like the S Pen takes up room in the you know in the actual device itself. So it does, it's like does. the S Twenty Ultra may end up having a larger battery and better battery life as a consequence. So I, I don't I don't know the answer to that question. And when we get to prices too, the prices for this are astronomically high. Well, and let's let's just go there. Maybe the differentiator is going to be price. Like if you're if you can afford the poverty version, like this is where you'll go. And if you're independently wealthy or uh, a fabulously popular content creator, such as we are, uh, maybe you can afford the Note devices. So let's let's talk about it. What are the base model prices for the S20? Okay, so the base model price for the S20 on T-Mobile, Verizon, and Sprint is rumored to start at $999. Holy shit, are you serious? Yeah, for some context, I think the bottom end S10e was $749 at least last yeah, year. Yeah, no, that's right. And you can buy a brand new spanking iPhone for $699 in iPhone 11. Yes, that's correct. Um, so $999 as a base seems pretty ballsy. Um, the S20 Plus will start at $1,199. $1,200. And the S20 Ultra will be $1,399. And I have read for the upgraded uh, 16 gig, 512 gig, it may be like $1,500-ish. Well, and that's absolutely the variant that you want because, you know, more specs. But that seems a little excessive. Now, knowing that these variants are are going to be available in a number of different options. We can probably anticipate that Samsung's going to have a pretty robust trade-in program, right, to knock some of these down. Does it really even matter what they start the prices at? Well, first of all, okay, so the other weird thing about this so far is the leak prices for AT&T are $100 less at each SKU. So it's $899, $1,099, and $1,299. Wait, AT&T's making them cheaper? It, potentially, unless that ends up being wrong. Um, it, look... I've heard a couple people make this case. Samsung does usually offer in pretty robust trade-ins if you're an existing customer. And there's a lot of argument that like no one pays full price for a Samsung phone. They usually offer some kind of, you know, BOGO with an extra line or something right out of yeah. the gate. Or financing um, options. But still, I mean, look, we've talked about the escalating prices of phones for years, and it's it's pretty well, I'm just, it's pretty fucking ballsy that Samsung's gonna start off at a thousand when you can buy an iPhone for six hundred ninety-nine dollars. Like, <coughs> like it, you know, if you're comparing specs of the base iPhone 11 versus the S20, they're not really close. The S20 has a lot more stuff, but like, do consumers actually care? I mean, I think, and we made this case last year when we were talking about the Pixel 4 pricing and the Pixel 4 XL pricing, right? Mm -hmm. So why would you buy that phone when you could get an S10 or an S10 Plus, which is better in almost every conceivable way and costs less? Like, it just doesn't make any sense for Google to price their phones where they price them. And... For Samsung, there is a little bit of 
that feel to it. There's a little bit of that sticker shock to it. When you see it on paper, you go, holy crap, there's no way I would pay this much money for a phone. But again, we live in an era where a lot of people are financing their phone and this number is going to come out to be somewhere between 50 and $70 a month. So, okay, I can probably stomach that. Two, Samsung's trade-in programs, probably going to be pretty generous. I think they're going to throw in, as we'll talk in a minute, uh, maybe an extra freebie or two that kind of gives you a little bit more in terms of the value prop. And if you could get my wife right now has a Galaxy S9. If I could get, you know, 400, 500, $550 for that as a trade-in and we got her the S20 plus, let's say, um, that brings that price down to somewhere in the neighborhood of like 600-ish dollars, which is a terrific price for that much technology in a phone. Now, again, you have to be conscious of the fact that you're probably only going to get two years of worth of usage out of these phones because my wife's S9 right now is already starting to have issues with the camera app and its lagginess and the other areas of the phone are starting to kind of notice their age a little bit. But if all you're going to do is keep your phone for two years anyways, yeah, 600 bucks, if you amortize that out over two years, even if you're paying up front, you chop that 650 bucks in half and you're really only paying about $300 a year. That's a, that's a pretty good deal, right? Well, okay, but... So here's the counter argument in a nutshell is like not everyone has a cell phone to trade in, right? True. Uh, one. Samsung also seems to be making like the calculated decision that they offer a bunch of mid-range phones all over the year. And it's like, well, if consumers don't want this, they can get a mid-range phone. They're but J they, and A lines, but, absolutely. But in the United States, people don't buy mid-range phones because of the way phones are tied to carriers. They buy flagships. So again, if you're walking into somewhere and you're seeing, I can buy my kid and, you know, $699 iPhone or I can buy them a $999 S20. Yeah, the S20 offers some stuff that's better, but I don't think most people are going to make that decision. Um, the other thing here is like, I don't know how much, you know, look, the iPhones don't have 5G and these have 5G, but they're charging a lot of extra money. And part of that seems to be because, oh, they have 5G. Well, the 5G networks in the United States so far, we do tech stuff and I don't care at all about 5G. So nope. far you have nope. you have T-Mobile that has a 600 megahertz uh you know, wide deployment, but the speeds aren't that much higher than LTE. And then you have Verizon doing this millimeter wave in major cities where if you're in line of sight for a, you know, for one of the antennas, you're getting great speeds, but it's not really that. Literally, if you're like, I got it, I got it. No, I don't. Yeah, I got it. It's no, not, I don't. it's not oh, widespread it. enough to be it. useful. So it, for me, it's kind of like, okay, they're, they're really pushing 5G, but like, I don't care. I honestly, I would rather have 4G with these giant batteries and get better battery life than have 5G right now. Now, I, you know, again, you just said two years. It's kind of shameful, actually, that your wife's phone is slowing down up two years. If you buy a flagship anything at this point, you sh these should be powerful enough to last three to four years at this point. And iPhones, iPhones do. Um, and if I'm buying a thirteen or fourteen hundred dollar S twenty Ultra, I would expect at least three years worth of use out of it, and I would expect at least three years worth of updates out of it, which is a whole nother conversation. But yeah. I, you know, look. These are really expensive, and, and phones have really stratified into a couple different tiers. It's weird. It's like as phones got more affordable, the Samsungs and the Apples of the world decided to go to this like ultra premium tier. But and I I'm sh I can't believe I'm saying this. Apple at least gives you like a base iPhone that's pretty solid for seven hundred dollars, which is a bargain compared to what Samsung's offering. Sorry, I'm smelling to see if, if you just actually caught fire because I'm pretty sure that kind of blasphemy from you would immediately cause you to spontaneously bust. I, I, look, I'm not arguing that the hardware is not here, <laughs> and I'm not arguing that Samsung – I think they really listen to a lot of the complaints about their phones. and they, They're going for it here. They're, they're offering everything, and if you're the guy that wants everything, 
this is it for you, right? Yeah. I think this is unequivocally yeah. the best Android phone on the market. You should buy it. And I actually think in a comparison with iPhones, you can make the case that this offers more. But boy, are you paying for it. And, you know, we'll see if consumers bite at this hard. Absolutely. And um, we'll have a show, whether it's a video podcast or an audio podcast, um, after the Unpacked event, not only to confirm all of the specs, but also to kind of give some general thoughts about what we feel might actually be um, the outcome of this event and what kind of um, value proposition and what kind of sales numbers Samsung might be able to expect. So anything else about the phones before we move on? Yeah, we've seen some different colors. We've seen a a cool gray color, uh, black. Uh, We've seen, I think, what, pink and blue? Are the colors we've seen? Yeah, I'm looking up the colors right now. Definitely kind of like a uh, like an iridescent pearl blue is in the mix. I actually don't care for the blue. I would categorize that as like a sky blue, and it like I prefer the blue of the uh, Apple phones, actually. Yeah, then there's that black, of course. We've got a really nice-looking metallic silver, and then I think, yeah, pinkish or coral, something yeah, like that. Yeah, they always do call it. It's pink, I don't whatever, coral. Yeah. Uh, in the United States, we tend to get gypped on colors. They usually end up releasing black and gray, so yeah. we'll see what happens, but... I actually uh, looking. I'm looking at the pictures right now. Sean Spring. I, I think the gray is probably what I would gravitate towards. Yeah, the black's kind of boring, and I agree. Here in the U.S., we don't really see. Uh, although Samsung did a pretty good job of doing that, um, the kind of like that white pearl iridescent color. We, we have done some interesting things. Yeah. yeah. Did, did, what did the, my sister-in-law did, has one of those on her Note 10, and it's actually really cool looking. And they make the um, Galaxy Buds with that same color to kind of match. So it's I really. I think the kind of S10e cool came out. The S10e and the S10 have like four or five colors last year. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the and then S10e they also had the, sure. they had the ceramic too. I forgot. Yeah, the yeah, ceramic they, they is, a lot is of dope. Yeah, it's really dope. Um, so. Of note, just while we're talking pricing and freebies, Sean alluded to this. It looks like Samsung, for those who pre-order, will be kicking in for at least the Galaxy S20 Plus and the S20 Ultra, a pair of their upgraded Galaxy Buds Plus wireless earbuds. Um, this is a continuation of the Galaxy Buds that they offered last year as a bunch of pre-orders. Um, it looks like these are going to retail for $149, and it looks like the Galaxy Buds from last year will continue to exist and drop down to $129. They look virtually the same, but Samsung has made quite a few improvements. Um, they increased the battery capacity from 58 milliamp hours to 85, and as a consequence, battery life almost doubles. Um, which is pretty great. They're quoting 11 hours of playtime um, and 22 hours with the case plus the earbuds and talk time 7.5 hours. That's versus six hours of playtime on the original buds and five hours of talk time. So pretty large improvements there. Um, these are not jumping on the active noise canceling bandwagon uh, that Apple did with their iPod. Uh, uh, iPod. No, no, no. What do we call those? I Not iPods. I, AirPods? AirPods Pro. I hate their name conventions. (laughs) They're AirPods Pro, pardon. Um, And Sony has their wireless earbuds that also have active noise canceling. These are not doing that. Um, But they do, they uh, have two speakers in place of, instead of one, so they have a woofer and a tweeter. Two two speakers, that's pretty good. And two microphones on the outside. I like it. Um, And uh, again, it looks like they're going to toss those in with the two higher end SKUs. And it also looks as a freebie, and I'm not sure if this will be for all SKUs or not. They're going to toss in $35 of Play Store credit. Um, other odds and ends, it looks like the Galaxy S20 and the S20 Plus are going to come with 25-watt chargers in the mm, box. That's dope. Uh, which should be pretty fast charging. And the big boy, the S20 Ultra, will come with 45-watt a 45-watt charger, um, which should allow that 5,000 milliamp-hour battery to be charged you know, relatively quickly. That is a good thing. So a couple of things to unpack there, pun intended. Um, as somebody who... I hate you so much. <laughs> 
as somebody who owns the Galaxy Buds, um, I can tell you I actually really like them. So in comparison with the Galaxy Buds Plus, they're going to look a lot the same, it would appear, but that's probably a good thing. For most people, you can get the kind of silicone tips and the silicone wings in a number of different variants to make sure that they fit inside your ears. And the sound quality isn't going to blow you away, but it's pretty good. And it sounds like the sound quality in the new ones is going to be even better. The biggest gripe that people, well, the two biggest gripes that people have had are that the call quality isn't terrific and the additional microphone should help with that and that the battery life is just okay. It's not terrible, especially when you consider that you can throw them back in the case and get a pretty good amount of life left off of the charge that's inside the case. The case itself also wirelessly charges, which is really nice. It also charges off USB-C, which is really nice. Um, you can, as people have shown, use the reverse wireless charging on the Note series and presumably the S20 series and just kind of pop it onto the back of your phone while it's charging and charge two things at one time, which is pretty dope. Um, I bought the Galaxy Buds uh, a couple months ago, kind of on a whim. I had an Amazon credit, and we were in Glendale. Um, Glendale? Glendale? We were up by the... Um, <laughs> store that Samsung store that's there and Amazon also has their four-star establishment there and since I had a credit I figured eh why not I'm going to use it on something I may as well buy these and I've actually been really impressed I think if most people are looking for quality affordable true wireless earbuds um, you could do a lot worse than the Galaxy Buds and presumably the Galaxy Buds Plus if you're going to buy a new phone anyways and you're going to get a $150 pair of headphones for free I say take it, especially since Samsung kind of killed the headphone jack, so you might need true wireless headphones anyways. Now, as far as freebies go, I, I think it's a pretty nice one, even minus the active noise canceling. I think they focused on the right things for most people. Like, double the battery life would be pretty huge. I have Jabra 65T Elites that I'm looking to uh, upgrade at some point later in the year, and this would be kind of on, this would at least be on my radar. Um, so yeah, no, it looks like a pretty nice improvement, and the, the price, well, the price is wrong, Bob, for the phones, but at least you're getting a nice freebie with yeah, it. In terms of what they're throwing in, I agree with you absolutely. There have been some other uh, freebies that they've given in the past that haven't had nearly the value proposition of these things. They're going to come in black, white, blue, and red, apparently. The case is going to be glossy instead of matte, which I'm not super a big fan of. I have the black pair right now, and I love that matte black case. But the important, uh, well, not the important, but one of the other important things to note is that they're also going to make their Galaxy wearables app now in an iOS compatible version. So if the AirPods or the AirPods Pro don't work for you and you wanted to give these a try, Samsung is gonna throw you a bone and you should be able to tune them using the AKG um, sound quality in the buds themselves and the app. If you're an iOS user or an iPhone user, that's a pretty nice perk. Yeah, they seem pretty neat. Good deals. And Glossy's always crap. MKBHD is right, Mad Black. All of the things. Yeah. We got you. So the last thing that Samsung is rumored to launch is exactly kind of what we touched on earlier, which is this foldable device, not the Galaxy Fold, which launched last year, but a new vertical style a la the Motor Razor reboot from Motorola that is that I think if I remember correctly and unfortunately is called the Z Flip. So they're going to release the Samsung Galaxy Z Flip. I'm a, I'll flip ya. I said, I'll flip ya. So we've seen this phone kind of like leak out uh, quite a bit, actually. They actually, when they did one of their conferences, showed like different user interfaces and showed kind of a, a video representation of this or a rendered representation anyway. But um, we are effectively getting a Moto Razor competitor. Um, it is going to have a 6.7 inch 1080p premium hole Infinity Flex display. 
You, That's what she said? Are you looking for premium holds? <laughs> <laughs> always, baby. Always. I can't. Uh, RGHR. You can um, and you will. Uh, it has a um, kind of a unified border, so it's kind of interesting. That, you know, Samsung generally has borders that are like not the same all around. It usually has a slightly larger lip and then like nothing on the sides. But this is actually uniform, much like the iPhone. Uh, I guess 10, 10 11 to 10 that, that looks yeah. the same. And then it has a small hole punch in the top, centered, very much like the Note. Um, it comes with the Snapdragon 855 Plus processor, so not the 865. Uh, the reasoning for this is it is a 4G phone, not a 5G phone. Fair. Um, and really, this boils down to you can only fit so much battery in this form factor, and 5G is more power hungry than 4G, and because of that, it didn't make sense for this. Um, you get 8 gigabytes of RAM, 256 megabytes of storage. It comes with a dual 12 megapixel camera, and this is the same primary sensor that the Galaxy S20 is being upgraded to this year. Got it. Nah, um, and it comes with a, the ultra wide angle also from the S20 series, which is another 12 megapixel. Pixel Ultrawide, uh, 10 megapixel front-facing uh, selfie shooter. Uh, battery is 3,300 milliamp-hour battery. So this is smaller, obviously, than the uh, you know when we we're just talking about the S20 line. The batteries are 4,000, 4,500, and 5,000, which are like historically really large. But with 5G, you're probably like more medium. Yep. So with 3,300 milliamp-hour milliamp hours and 5G, this probably would have been pretty poor from a battery life standpoint. So it makes sense what they're doing. Absolutely. Um, instead of a Plastic screen, which is what the original Galaxy Fold had. This has ultra-thin glass, is the rumor. And, you know, we kind of saw with the Fold, it has a pretty pronounced crease. Now, the glass also has a crease, although it's unclear from what we've seen leaked out before if it's as pronounced and, like, kind of as thick. The one in the Fold was kind of, like, non-uniform as you went down. Yeah. Hopefully with the glass, it's at least maybe smaller and, and more uniform. Um, but this should help... A lot based off of some leaks with the actual durability of the screen. So with the fold, you really had to worry about, you know, when Jerry rig everything is going through those little picks of hardness. Basically, after a fingernail, it was like you could scratch the plastic or put a divot in it. And we kind of saw some of the you know horrific damage that was happening when these got released out in the wild. But yeah, it's it wasn't it wasn't fantastic. And I think that Samsung's done a lot of things right here. And let me go on record by saying that I think that this form factor for me is much more attractive and much more desirable than the kind of horizontal fold of the Galaxy Fold, if that makes sense. Um, I like the Razer concept. I like the Z Flip concept. I'm absolutely not going to buy this phone, first of all. So um, I'm just going to put that out there. But the reasons that I'm not going to absolutely buy this phone have nothing to do with the fact that it is a foldable form factor or that the specs are low end or any of these other things. Um, and it does have something to do with the specs because, you know. The specs aren't low end. These are flat. This is <clears throat> okay. If you want to play devil's advocate, this has as much horsepower at least as either phone that we're rocking right now. Fair, but I think that as with many things, and we've definitely seen with Samsung products, this is the first generation Z Flip. How did the first generation of the Galaxy Fold look? Okay, so first of all, a couple things to unpack here. We're on very much opposite sides of the fence here on this. I was this close to buying a, well, I actually bought a Fold and then canceled it when they started uh, breaking all over the place. Um, I much prefer the uh, book style Fold that opens into a tablet because that makes a lot more sense to me than the clamshell style Fold. So, so we just fundamentally, I think, have different ideas about what we would want from a folding device. That checks um, Having said that, um, I think this looks pretty neat. Uh, it, to me, versus the Razer, 
makes a lot more sense. They basically are the exact same size unfolded, only you're talking about a 6.2 inch screen versus a 6.7 inch screen. It also has a much larger battery, 2500 versus 33 is considerable, right? Yep. It's got a Snapdragon 710 versus an 855 Plus, which are not even in the same league. More RAM, more storage, higher resolution screen. So when you're looking at it, it's like, and it has the glass as opposed to the plastics and the razors. So by the way, rumored pricing is, well, it's not rumored. The Razer costs $1,500, and this is rumored to either cost $1,300 or $1,400. What a value. Look, these are expensive. They're first-generation things. but And this one apparently is going to be on almost all of the carriers. It looks like for sure Sprint, AT&T, and T-Mobile. It's unclear if Verizon, because Verizon is the exclusive carrier of the Razer. Maybe they didn't want the competition, but it's going to be on most carriers. Um so basically AT&T and T-Mobile because nobody cares about Sprint. Well, Sprint's going to be owned by T-Mobile assuming that merger goes through. But yeah, Fair enough. Um, you know, look, it's it's neat and it does, I will say this, it, you know, when you look at the folded up version, it's pretty small. I mean, it, it looks like a compact. It's thicker than a normal phone. So you're trading, I guess, you know, thin thickness versus like kind of the, the actual footprint. But I think a lot of people will like this and I think that I'm not going to be shocked if this one sells pretty decently because it's on all the carriers and it's not as expensive as the Fold or the Razer. Relatively speaking. Um, and ultimately, I agree. I think that a lot of people may like this form factor simply because we've already talked about like the Motorola Razer has some of the nostalgia factor that's going for it. And so I think a lot of people are going to be into it. I think that foldables definitely are the future. I think that Samsung has solved a lot of the issues that the Fold itself had in terms of using glass in the display. So it's a little bit more durable. The hinge design is probably going to be updated and probably better because anything better than the Fold hinge would be better. But the end result is that, one, it's priced like at the top end of the S20 Ultra market. I don't think that there are enough advantages in a first-gen product, realistically, unless you're A, again, fabulously wealthy, or B, unbelievably popular content creators such as we are to go out and actually get this device. So it's a niche product for me for right now until Samsung dedicates more of their line. And kind of, as you maybe alluded to earlier in the show, I think maybe if we have an early launch in the year for kind of like the candy bar, traditional style phones, and then a second half of the year launch for their foldable series, I think that that actually ultimately makes a lot more sense for Samsung in terms of business strategy, because you're going to get the people who can't or don't want to afford to buy the super expensive foldable phones. And then you've got the people who are like, that's what I want. Give me some of that. Price is no object. I don't give a crap. It looks cool. It feels cool. I just want it. And ultimately, after four, maybe five years of successive development cycles and successive product generations, I think these are actually going to be terrific phones. But for me, there's not enough here, and I wouldn't want to buy a first-gen version of this product, period. So, okay, I'm, uh, once again, I'm going to dissent a little bit because we always do, we disagree on the folding thing. I know you're shocked. Um, a couple other little odds and ends. It has a tiny... Uh, screen on the front so that you can see if you've gotten like you know a notification of some sort but it's like one inch and pretty much useless um, but I'll say it, just one other odd and end here colors it comes in black and then this kind of like two-tone purplish color that's kind of like I don't know if I'd buy a purple phone quite honestly probably not but it actually looks pretty okay as far as purple phone goes here's what I would say about this phones are boring right so yeah. if you're trying to entice people away from Apple, for instance, you have to offer something more interesting or different. This is going to be on enough carriers that I could see someone walking into a store and going, what's that? That's different. Because let's be realistic. I mean, if you pull out an iPhone somewhere, public place, party, whatever, 
everyone has everyone has candy bar phones. Like they're all the same. I mean, variations on a theme, right? But if you pull it out and you unfold a phone, you're going to get some attention. Now people are going to lose their minds for sure. And and I don't I don't want to overstate. I mean. Phones have become a utility, right? These are just something that's like, this is a base thing that everyone has, but people are always looking for a status symbol. This is like things like Louis Vuitton exist or, you know, uh, very expensive anything, premium anything. And it's like, I don't know, maybe this is something you can entice customers in. If you're someone who's had an iPhone for a few years and you're bored of it and you walk in and, you know, you're looking at a pro that costs $1,200, $1,300 and you're looking at this phone that costs $1,400 that flips and does something interesting, Maybe you make that switch just because it's something new and interesting and that's enough to grab your attention. And also, at that point that you you kind of made where you're financing your phone, like what's the difference between twelve dollars and $1,400 really all things considered? I mean, it, it's it's not inconsiderable per se, but it's not, I mean, like what, it's an extra $5 a month or $4, who, who cares maybe? Yeah, if you go out over three years, yeah, maybe it's even less. So, you know, and it... It has a couple other little cool odds and ends. Like this one, the hinge actually locks yeah, like at 90 degrees, and there's some there's some things that you might be able to lock it at other angles. And I saw a leak yesterday of someone that had already taken like a you know a Nintendo 3DS emulator or something, and they had it so that you know you lock it at 90 degrees, and it God had the, the, the controller community. here, and it had the game up here. And it's like there's something cool about that and novel. You could maybe do some stuff. It you could kind of set it down on your desk at an L and watch like content here and it would sit there. So I don't think these are things that people are clamoring for. And I still think we're very much in the, why does this exist segment? You know, most people obviously don't have problems with large candy bars, fitting them in their pockets. So is this something that the masses are clamoring for? No, I don't no. think so. But could I see this being fairly successful? Yeah, I, you know, look, th- there was a lot of nostalgia for the Razer, and this is like pretty much better in every way, and it's tim- it's going to be lower priced apparently, and available on more carriers, and they sold five hundred thousand folds at nineteen hundred eighty dollars. For no freaking idea how, but whatever. And, with that. and this is better in every conceivable way, and costs well. I would so actually rather have the fold. So better is relative, but I mean, when you're looking at this, I think for the average person, if you're looking at something new and novel, it's like I don't know. This is my thing. You might. Go for it. I think this will actually do okay. I agree. I think that there's some novelty factor there, and there's going to be some nostalgia factor there, but not personally for me. Again, I want to wait for a little bit more maturity in that product cycle, but I agree. I think foldables are definitely the future. There's a lot of use case there. There's a lot of functionality that people are going to get out of it. And you've already cited one use case, right? Like I turn into a, like a Nintendo 3DS kind of style device, but Ultimately, that is a vision of a future that, for me, is not here yet. So I'm down with it. Like, if the Fold Two has the glass, I'll probably buy one this year. Although, Matt's Weinbach, who's like the Galaxy Samsung leaker of note and fanboy of note, holy crap, um, is saying that that may cost twenty three hundred dollars. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and remove probably from your statement. <laughs> You're absolutely going to buy it anyway. I, I may this year. I held off last year because they were breaking all over the place, but it's supposed to have the 108 megapixel camera and a lot of other goodies and S Pen and glass. And I don't know, man. I'm pretty curious. I look forward to your review of it later on this year. You can mock me. Anything else from the upcoming Galaxy Unpacked launch event that is of note we want to cover before we get out? No, I mean, really, I think I'm going to be really interested to see what the trade-in prices are because I think a lot of people are going to balk at the price. And it'll be really interesting to see what the carrier incentives are. I think on their face, they're too expensive. I think a 999 base is too much. Um, But Galaxy phones sell no matter what. Uh, People seem to be willing to pay. It'll be interesting to see how this does um, because... I do think Samsung's focused on the right things and they look like pretty massive improvements. And I'm really, really interested to see how that 108 megapixel camera fares in testing because 
it's a really, really interesting piece of technology. And as far as like advances in camera technology, it's one of the most interesting ones from the last few years. I agree. This may be the first phone of the year, maybe a couple phones of the year that really pique my interest. Uh, as I've mentioned, wife is looking for an upgrade, so hopefully we can get our hands on one and definitely see how it performs in real life. Have her get an Ultra. I know she has tiny hands, but like, look, man, the future is large. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and that may be where we want to leave it. So um, thanks again for checking out the show. Appreciate it. Make sure you tell a friend. And remember, you can find us anywhere where you get your podcasts as well as on YouTube. And if you are watching our video podcast on the YouTube platform, make sure you drop us a like. We appreciate that. Tell your friends and subscribe to the channel so you can get more exciting technology content from Silicon Theory. So uh, for Sean and Sean... Thanks again for listening, and we will have a recap event after the event has launched on February 11th. Thanks, guys. Take it easy.